Leviticus 6 verse 13. A fire shall always be burning on the altar. It's the altar of your heart. It shall never go out. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And in the Greek, that word fervor means boiling for liquids and glowing for solids. So the fire in your life should be like water that's boiling, should be like a, a solid that's glowing and unmistakable, I guess. And it takes real effort to maintain and increase the fire. Because we've all seen a natural fire left alone in the fireplace or out in the woods. If you ignore it, it is going to go out. A fire needs daily attention. And we're gonna talk a little bit of how to do that right now. But one of the things that's happening in Church Unlimited right now is God is igniting fresh fires. People are getting set on fire in this place and I trust and pray and believe that you are one of those because we're, gonna, we're seeing it in uh, even people turning up to church that haven't been here for some time. We're seeing people be a bit more regular. We're seeing more in our prayer meetings. Uh, you know, the Thursday 6 p.m., more in our revival prayer meetings as well. So we're starting to see the fire because that's what, that's what happens when the fire begins to grip a person's heart. So there's a season of fresh fire right now. And so we wanna speak a little bit more into that this morning. So how is your fire? Ask the person next to you, how is your fire today? <clears throat> now give them the answer. <laughs> Tell them how your fire is. <laughs> hey? How is your fire? <clears throat> Why we need to talk about this is because Matthew 24, verse 12 to 13, I mentioned it previously. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he endures to the end shall be saved. One of the signs of the last days is that the fire in the hearts of God's people, not all of them, but many of them, according to Scripture, will be dimmed and will actually even grow cold. And the thought in that passage of Scripture is this. There is a cold wind blowing. There is a cold wind blowing. And friends, that comes from the society this fallen world in which we live, it comes from many directions, but constantly on a daily basis, there's a cold wind blowing upon you to dim your fire, to put your fire out if it can possibly happen. Where does that cold wind come from? Well, if you watch enough TV, you can be sure at the end of it, you're not gonna get up and say, man, I've just been set on fire. How many of you been set on fire by watching a lot of TV? Anybody witness to that this morning? You know, most uh, social, when you're on the social media a lot, I'm not against any of these things, by the way. I'll watch a bit of TV. You know, you, know, you go to uh, get on the internet, you, you watch movies and all the rest of it. But friends, so often in the midst of it, there's a cold wind blowing. 
and it's there to dim your fire. It's there to diminish your hunger and your love for God. And that's why we have to be very aware that all around us today, all through society, is coming at us all the time. In every direction, there's a cold wind blowing. So you gotta work hard to maintain your fire. You gotta dig deeper into God to maintain your fire. You can't let it, you can't slack off for one day because that cold wind is just gonna dim your fire. I wonder if there's ever been a day in your life where you had more fire than you've got today. I wonder. If you look back five years, 10 years, did you have more fire? Oh, I hope not. I hope you can all say you've got more fire today than you've ever had in your entire life. You know, this is what happens. People have a, okay, come to church, come to a service, come to a church meeting, they go to a camp, go to a conference, and they have an encounter with God. They have a moment with God. God touches them, and it's real, and it's great, and it's awesome. But what so often happens, friends, is that the cold wind then blows. And then a few days later, or a week later, or a month later, they're wondering, what happened to my moment? What happened to my encounter? It seems to be gone. And friends, that so easily happens because what it takes Listen carefully, what it takes to maintain an encounter and a moment with God is a strong personal walk with God on a daily basis. You gotta be in the Word daily, you gotta be in the prayer daily, you gotta be in church, you gotta be in prayer, whatever it might be to maintain the encounter and that moment you had. Because sometimes what happens is you lose that thing and you think, what has happened? What have I done wrong? And then you can actually get less fire than you even had before. So we've got to be very aware, friends, of this cold wind that's at us all the time to dim our fire and dim our flame. As darkness increases, we're going to see two groups of Christians emerge. Those who get more fire to combat the darkness and the cold wind and those who get dimmed down by the cold wind and lose the fire. Two groups are gonna emerge, you're gonna see it. Coming weeks, months, and even, in fact, it's even happening now. Some are losing their fire, others are getting more fire. Those in the house, there's a here online, I hope you're among those who are getting more fire. Revelation 3, 15, 16, and 19. I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold, I wish you were cold or hot. But so then, because you are you lukewarm and neither cold or not hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Wow. <laughs> I hope you're not lukewarm. You're not lukewarm, eh? Eh? Anyone? No, I'm sure you're not. Because you don't want that, do you? Therefore, be zealous and repent. I reckon today, draw a line in the sand. No longer cold, but hot. And not in between. Draw a line in the sand today and say, God, I am done with lukewarm Christianity. I'm done with a compromised lifestyle. I'm done with occasionally coming to church. I'm I'm done with barely having a devotional. God, I draw a line in the sand today because friends, you need to draw that line today because there's a cold wind blowing. And if you're not careful, that wind is gonna 
dim your fire, and for some the fire will even go out. But God's not wanting that to happen for any one of us. 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 4 says, In the last days, perilous times will come, for men will be, and I'm just picking up on one that I mentioned last time, will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasure. Wow. Wow. Do you know Satan is working overtime to seduce us into the love of pleasure? And what happens is we just want to be entertained all the time. We want something that's going to make us feel good. So we just watch whatever it is, or we go wherever we need to, or we plan whatever we need to plan, and we, we just, because we just want to feel good. You know, you, know, you, know, you know, one of the traps is I just want something to look forward to. And that's okay, but what's, what is that? Oh, well, something that's going to make me feel good. A love of pleasure. The Bible says that's what's going to happen in the last days. We're going to so want pleasure. But the problem is when you fall in love with pleasure, <laughs> that feeds your emotions and makes you feel good, which we all want, then it's hard to do anything that doesn't make you feel good that doesn't have that emotional uplift and that arise. So what happens is then sometimes uh, coming to a prayer meeting, well, that's not going to give me an, um, that's not going to make, entertain me. That's not going to make me feel good, so I won't go there. Or I, might, I think I'll skip church this morning because there's something else better on that's going to make me feel good and it's going to satisfy the pleasure desire within my heart. So friends, we've got to be really careful in our lives that we just don't pursue things that have that feel good factor. Because Jesus actually said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Uh -huh. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Denying yourself does not feel that good. Taking up a cross does not feel that good. So a lot of Christians say, flag the cross, flag the doubt's denial. I want pleasure. And I've heard this said, that some of the smartest minds in the world are working behind the scenes, feeding the consumer mindset. If you want it, you can have it. It's what the world is saying. Put it on the credit card, watch whatever you want, and it's feeding this consumer heart we have. John Maxwell said this, be willing to sacrifice pleasure for opportunity. Think about that. Be willing to sacrifice pleasure for opportunity. Usually opportunity comes dressed in overalls. <laughs> in other words, it's hard work. It's demanding. It requires sacrifice. It requires a denial of pleasure in some ways, so <clears throat> don't let opportunity pass you by because of the desire for pleasure. It's not gonna make me feel that good. So why should I help in the car park? <laughs> Thought I might throw that one in for Ivan. There's 50 bucks, Ivan, please. All right. <clears throat> I mean, being in the car parks is not going to make you feel that great, is it? Why should I help in the kids' church? It's not going to buzz me. Friends, when did it all come about buzzing me? Yeah, that's right. 
How about buzzing Jesus? How about making Jesus feel good? Just get rid of that mindset. <laughs> but then it's an upside down gospel because then when you do deny yourself, you get fulfilled and satisfied. When you do serve in the car park, you go home on cloud nine. You know, thank you for the response to that point. <laughs> when you do serve in kids' church, when you lose your life, you find it. Have you got that? You lose your life, you find it. I'm yelling, I know, I can't help myself. I'm just excited about what I'm saying. Is it all right to be excited about that? Who reckons it's, excited? it's okay to be excited in church? Is that all right? Bible says you gotta die to live. Everyone wants to live, but no one wants to die. Bible says, ain't gonna work. So, sign up for the car park. End of the service. Tell the person next to you, sign up for the car park. Tell the person on the other side, sign up for kids' church. You know why I get other people to tell you? Because I know you don't listen to me. You might just listen to the person next to you. <laughs> $150, Julia, wherever you are, for the promoting kids' church, all right? By the way, they need a lot of help. Seriously. If you've got any skill or no skill, <laughs> they need your help. Yeah. Come on. Come on, church. Our kids are important. Yeah. Oh, that's, I'm not, that's not my message, but can't help myself. You know... <clears throat> In Judges 15, it's a great story. You want to read it. Samson retaliates the Philistines. And he catches 300 foxes, ties their tails here. I mean, this is supernatural strength. They go, you go and try it. <laughs> try and get even two foxes. <laughs> he had 300 of them, 150 pairs. He you know, tied their tails together and put a firebrand in the middle of them. And, and release them into the cornfields of the Philistines. And uh, he didn't have to motivate them to run. Because when you're on fire, nobody has to make you move. Nobody has to tell you to get into church. Nobody has to tell you to pray or to read your Bible or to serve. When you're on fire, there's a motivation behind you like those foxes. We need to put some fire. <laughs> How shall I frame this in a church context? We need to put some fire in our bellies, put it in our bellies so that we move. So when, you, you know, when your tail is on fire, you're gonna run for Jesus. You're going to run after God. You're going to run to church. You're going to run to the prayer meeting. We need the fire. Oh, God, send the fire. Send the fire. <laughs> All right, listen to this. The fire inside you needs to be greater than the fire outside of you. Wow. Tell the person next to you, I don't like that. <clears throat> When the battle rages, and it's the midnight of the soul, you better have fire inside of you. 
greater than the fire outside of you. I'll tell you what's going to happen if you don't. You're going to end up bitter, unforgiving, resentful. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had more fire inside them than the fire around them. And they came out without the smell of smoke. There was no bitterness, no resentment, no bad attitude because the fire inside them was greater than the fire outside of them. See, when you have the fire of God, your one goal is, I've got to please God. So when you hit the dark night of the soul, when you're down and out, you have one desire, to please God in the midst of it, to keep your heart right and to get closer to God. Because you know getting bitter and angry and all the rest is not pleasing to God. That's what the fire of God does within our lives. So can I encourage you? The days ahead, folks, are gonna be pretty difficult. Doesn't take a prophet to tell you that. We need now, while there's time, get the fire burning. Get it red hot. And so when the pressure comes, you know, I'm not gonna go into the things I've been through in my life even as a pastor, but I've needed fire in me stronger than the fire around me. And that's what's got me through uh, some of the most challenging times in my life. 120 discouraged disciples in the upper room were no threat to the devil. Oh no. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit descended. They were filled with the fire of God and they went and turned the world upside down. You see, that's what the devil is afraid of. He's afraid of the fire of God. He's not afraid of our programs. He's not afraid of our singing. He's not even afraid of our, 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 our preaching or our church attendance. He's not afraid of our talent. He's not afraid of our, our Bible knowledge. None of that scares him. But what scares the devil and sends earthquake shocks into the dark regions of hell is when a church gets on fire, when preachers are on fire, when Christians are on fire, when singers are on fire, when car park attendants are on fire, when the sound desk people are on fire, when the media are on fire, when the kids workers are on fire, when everyone in the pew is on fire, when there is a church on fire, that's what bothers the devil. He doesn't care about us coming to church. He doesn't care about us listening to sermons. He doesn't even care about us serving or reading the Bible and praying. But what scares the living daylights out of Him is when we get on fire, because when they're a danger to Him, because we're gonna blitz Him and advance the Kingdom of God. For over 35 years, I've been praying, I've been believing, I've been fasting, I've been crying out, I've been saying, God, give me a church on fire. Give me a church that will change this nation. Give me a church that will bring revival to New Zealand and turn it to Jesus. God, give me a church on fire. Are we getting it? None of the other stuff bothers him, friends. He doesn't care about you coming to church. He doesn't. Well, he'd prefer you didn't. 
It doesn't bother them that much. But you get on fire. That bothers him a lot. <laughs> All right, Tark, just settle down. It's going to be okay. I waited a long time. I prayed long and hard. I've sacrificed. I've fasted. I've pleaded with God. Give me a church on fire. To my last breath, I'll fight for a church that's on fire enough to shake this nation to its core, to its foundations, and bring this nation back to God. give you some quick thoughts in the few minutes I've got left. How to increase your fire, or how to tend to the fire that you have. Number one, it goes without saying, is a personal devotional life. Can you listen carefully for a moment? The true test of your fire and your walk with God is the quality of your time in the closet or wherever it is, alone with God, in prayer and in the word. That's the acid test. You can be excited in church. You can be ablaze and sing and shout and scream and all the rest of it in a church gathering. But friends, a lot of that is borrowed fire from the people around you. You need to get your own fire. And you get that alone with God. Alone with God. No sound system, no musicians, no music. Maybe you've got some music on your Spotify or something, that's fine. But there's no preacher, there's no people, there's no support team. There's no one to tell you to raise your hands or to sing. It's you and God. What have you got, folks? That's the acid test. I read this statement. You can celebrate God in the crowd, but you can only get to know him one-on-one. It's not the crowd, folks. It's the one-on-one. Fire needs two things, very simple. Needs oxygen, speaks of prayer, and it needs fuel, which speaks of the Bible. They're the two things, friends, and you, you need that daily. Number two, want to increase the fire, maintain the fire, a love for God's house. Here's a scripture for you, Psalm 69 verse nine. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Does it eat you up? That's Jesus, we're his followers. I think it eats me up. 
I'll do anything I can for the church. Do you know why? It's the hope of the world. You take the church out of the world and I, I, it'd just be, well, it'd be the end of the world, quite frankly. Although we're not doing a great job, we still are the salt and the light. We're still the restraining factor. You take the church out and it's utter bedlam. It'd be a thousand times worse than it is now. Zeal for your house has eaten me up. When you have a zeal for your house, you serve in the house. As we've been talking about earlier on, we serve in some way. And that's what maintains the fire. You've probably heard it spoken about, but there's the River Jordan feeds into the Dead Sea. The River Jordan's full of life, fish, it's, it's abundance, it's, it's flourishing. But it goes into the Dead Sea, but the Dead Sea's dead. There's no life in the Dead Sea. It's dead. The reason is very simple. With the River Jordan, there's an inflow and there's an outflow. The Dead Sea, there's only inflow and there's no outflow. Friends, there are too many Christians, and I say it as kindly as I can, it's all inflow. They just want to receive more and more. Give me another song set, give me another sermon, <laughs> give me another service, give me another altar call. But there's no outflow. And they wonder why, spiritually, the fire is not there. There's got to be outflow, friends. There's got to be inflow, and there's got to be outflow. So maybe some of you need to make a decision today. Draw that line in the sand, say, okay, from today. I'm getting the inflow, but now I'm gonna give some outflow. It will revolutionize your life and change you forever. A love for God's house. A love for God's house. This is the bride of Christ, by the way, folks. And we wanna make the bride as beautiful as we can. And we do that by doing our part within the body of Christ. And then number, I'll give you a few more thoughts here. Next one, you want the fire of God? It's right here. It's a heart for the Great Commission. Yeah. Yeah. Talked last week or last week about the seek the hand of God, seek the face of God, but seek the heart of God. The heart of God is for a lost and a broken world. And I want to encourage you, if you not fill one of these forms in, uh, take time to fill it. You know, why, why was the Holy Spirit given? Acts chapter one, verse eight. You shall receive power. The Holy Spirit will come upon you that you might be my witnesses. You know, Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, the outermost parts here. The Holy Spirit fire comes so that we can be witnesses, so we can engage with God in the Great Commission. And so, you know, <laughs> the breast, it says go in the world, all the world and preach in Mark 16. Can I just say something about that? Do you know what's the best preaching in the world? It's, it's not the platform. It's not from here. Anyone can preach from here. Come on, give me a break. That's, that's easy. Real preaching is your lifestyle. Out in the community, in your home, in the workplace, wherever God has placed you, in your street, that's your preaching. Where you manifest Jesus through the life that you live, that is the best preaching in the world. And friends, we, can, we are all preachers. We're all preachers. Don't tell me you need to preach. You are a preacher. You can preach every day, 24-7, wherever you go. Preach with your life. Preach with your lifestyle. Preach and show people what Jesus is like. When people meet with you, let them taste something of Jesus. Let, them, let there be a manifest of Jesus through your life so they think, wow, that is what Jesus is like. Friends, you don't get that from here. It's one-on-one. -on -one. That's why that's the best preaching in the world. So tell the person next to you, I hope you're a great preacher. 
<laughs> My time is just about gone. Anyway, <clears throat> kingdom builders, you know, one of the ways you uh, get involved with the heart of God is you just give to mission. So, you know, we went through this last time. Some of the things that you, when you invest in this, you know, investing, when you give to this, like you're investing in mission. All right, as, as Ivan was bringing out, the food bank, the poor and the needy, disaster relief, UK and New Zealand, um, Christmas Wonderland, love this in New Zealand Beyond Ministries, church planning in Cambodia, India, uh, all across Europe, missionaries, Romania, Uganda, Kenya, Mozambique, Indonesia, Germany, Radio Rima, Shine TV, World Outreach, New Zealand. That's just some of the stuff that you invest in. When you give, when you give into this, friends, you're investing in kingdom. So the next time someone asks you, what is your investment portfolio like? Tell them, my portfolio is worldwide. I have an investment in 30, 40 nations of the world. They're gonna say, really? You say, yeah, I'm investing in the biggest enterprise on the planet, which is the kingdom of God. Friends, develop an investment portfolio. Come on. I'm not kidding. This is the best investment portfolio you could ever have in your life, and the returns are out of this world. You can even tell people, they'll say, what are the returns like? You just say, the dollar return is so high, I can't even, I can't even tell you. It's in the millions of dollars, because it literally is, friends. It's 100% true. Why I invest in this, friends? I have an investment in nations all around the globe. And when I stand before God on that great day, he's gonna say, oh, Tark, you invested in 70 nations of the world. You gave money in it. Here is your return. Here is your mansion or whatever it might be. I don't know what it's gonna look like. But friends, this is a key. This is an investment portfolio. Sign up. It's one of the best things you'll ever do. I can see you're very excited about that. So I'm gonna go to the next point. All right, our time is gone, but a couple more thoughts, all right? Two more thoughts. Number four is this. You want the fire to grow and increase in your life? Living a pure life. Holiness. Holiness. Everyone say holiness. Because we're constantly bombarded with impurity and unholiness at every possible turn. You know, I can be on a flight, traveling along, and you know what I hate when I'm flying is you can see someone else's screen. You know what I'm talking about? And before you know it, on that screen is unspeakable stuff. There's stuff that you think, my God, wash me, cleanse me in your blood. There's pornography, there's nudity, there's sex, there's swearing, there's cursing, there's bad attitude. I mean, it's all there. And you say, God, help us. And so friends, we gotta be alert to this. If we're gonna live a pure and a holy life, we gotta guard our eyes, we gotta guard our lives with everything that we have got. Because Psalm 23, verse three and four, who may ascend the hill of the Lord, who may stand in his holy place, he who has clean hands and a pure heart. Do you know with a fire, you gotta remove the ashes. Gotta remove the ashes of sin, the ashes of compromise, the ashes of worldliness, the ashes of immorality. You gotta remove the ashes of, of sexual relationships outside of a marriage covenant, which is sin. Ashes, if you want the fire to burn, you can't live a compromised lifestyle. But if you do mess up, which most of you will, the blood of Jesus has never lost its power and God will forgive you, God will cleanse you. I notice when I talk about holiness, no one claps, but when I talk about forgiveness, everyone claps. <laughs> it's just an interesting observation as a preacher. 
<laughs> All right, as I close. The fire falls on the altar of dedication and sacrifice. That's where the fire really falls. You see that in the Bible, 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7, 1. When Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, that's you, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple to keep the fire burning, to increase the fire in your life. Build altars of surrender, altars of sacrifice. You know, I've had numbers of testimonies come through that message I preached at conference on the Nazarite, the call of the Nazarite, on that altar call. People, numbers of people met with God in profound ways because that's what happens because that was an altar of surrender and sacrifice. And friends, when you keep building those altars, you know, over my life as a Christian, many decades now, I've built so many altars of surrender, so many altars of sacrifice where I've laid my life before God. And I've said, God, here am I. I'm yours. I'm all yours as best I can give you myself. I'm yours. Do what you can with this person, with, with me. Whatever I've got, Lord, it's not a hang of a lot. I never used to think I was much, and I still don't think I'm much, by the way. But I just gave it to God. And I said, God, take it. And friends, on those altars of surrender, I can't tell you, friends, you don't necessarily feel it at the moment, but something happens. There's a transaction that takes place because what you're actually saying is less of me and more of him. You know, I must decrease and he must increase. When you come, the musicians can join me, please, singers. If you come and as you put your life on the altar of surrender, the altar of genuine sacrifice, friends, that's possibly the single greatest key, you know, to the fire of God burning in your life and the fire of God increasing in your life. Bill Johnson said this, surrender will take you everywhere you need to go. Wow. Whew. Isn't that a statement? Everywhere you need to go. Can I change that a little bit? Only surrender will take you to where you need to go. Only surrender will take you to where you need to go. That's why surrender is so important. We, can, we could go on, but my time has gone. Oh, my time has gone. Revelation, Romans 12, just read through it. Present your body as living sacrifice. Why? So you may know the good, perfect, acceptable will of God. The only way to know the perfect will of God for your life is surrender on the altar as a living sacrifice. It's the only way you're going to get there, friends. Without that, you're probably never going to get to where you need to get to. I finished with William Booth who said, the greatness of a man's power is a measure of his surrender. Surrender and greatness in God. They are linked. They are joined together.